Today on the podcast, we are looking at John chapter 4, the story of the Samaritan woman at the well, and how this can inform us in our own uh, faith journey with Christ and the way that we deal with other people, as well as uh, how we recognize our own thirst and meet that thirst in Jesus. We've got a lot of things coming up, uh, church camp out coming up in a week and a half, and uh, other things you can check out at northshorevineyard.org, like our daily devotional. So go ahead and check that out, and we're going to go ahead and head to the talk. Thanks for listening to North Shore Vineyard Church, downtown. I'm just going to talk from back here today. <laughs> it is the Bible, I, I assure you. It's in Greek. It's an, it's an Aramaic. Um, so if it's too small for you to read, I'm sorry. It's the only way I could get it to fit on there today. Um, so I will go ahead and read. And if you don't want to read along, you can just listen to the golden voice of Christmas Schroeder. This is John chapter 5, starting in verse 4. So he, Jesus, came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman asked him, Uh, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman? How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming to draw water. He told her, go call your husband and come back. Uh, I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said, you were right when you said you have no husband. The, The fact is you have had five husbands, and the man you're with now is not your husband. What you said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me. A time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritan worship what you don't 
do not know, and we worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and is now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that the Messiah called the Christ is coming, and when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman, but no one asked, what do you want, or why were you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of town and made their way towards him. Meanwhile, the disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him some food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying, it's months until the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for the harvest. Even now the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a good crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you did not work for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Many of the Samaritans of that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his word, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said now we have heard for ourselves. Now we know what this man really, that this man really is the Savior of the world. It's a big passage. <laughs> Last week, I noted that one of the key themes in the Gospel of John that is introduced in John chapter 1, which is called the prologue to the Gospel of John, one of the key themes is light shining in the darkness. John 1 opens up with uh, talking about Jesus being the light of the world. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. The light came to those who were his own, but his own did not receive him. But those who did receive him, he gave the right to be called children of God. And this is how the Gospel of John kicks off. But what we see is that so much of the Gospel of John is actually up close personal stories among people where the light shines to them and how they respond. So last week we talked about Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a Pharisee, a teacher of the law. He was actually part of the ruling council in Jerusalem. So he was a mover and shaker. And yet this great teacher of the law who's devoted his life to religion, when he wants to talk to Jesus, he comes under cover of night. Because what if somebody finds out? that he's interested in this Jesus. And Nicodemus, in chapter 3 of John, uh, the Gospel of John, Nicodemus comes under cover of night, and he talks to Jesus. But we don't quite know how the story ends up. Nicodemus doesn't say, I've seen the light. In fact, we see D Nicodemus retreat, fade back into the darkness from which he came. The, the, the ending of, of Nicodemus is kind of, of, of ambiguous. Even throughout the, 
the, the Gospel of John, we see that he looks later like he's heading towards Jesus. But when we look at that story, the very next story that follows is, is completely opposite. Because unlike Nicodemus who comes to Jesus under the cover of night, Jesus actually comes to this woman in the middle of the day. And unlike Nicodemus, who is a religious mover and shaker, this Samaritan woman, she doesn't even have a name in this passage, right? I mean, she is just such a, uh, we just call her Samaritan woman. Even Jesus, when he's talking to her, says, woman, I tried that. Woman. It doesn't work for me the way it worked for Jesus. (laughs) But this woman is insignificant. She's on the fringes. And yet, when Jesus, the light of the world, comes to her, she doesn't fade into darkness. She embraces the light. And really, this is kind of an indictment uh, that we see going on throughout the Gospels. Uh, Jesus actually tells the Pharisees, the experts of the law, he says, you search the scriptures because you think in the scriptures you have life, but it's the very scriptures that testify of me. They point to me, God incarnate, the son of God standing right in front of your face and you don't see me. We see this coming through the gospels all the time that the light shines in the darkness and sometimes the darkness in which the light shines is religion. And most of the time, it's the very religious people who miss out. But we see that that's not the case with this woman. I want to show you a a, a little cartoon. It's not not like an animated cartoon. You see this? I love this. This is a a cartoonist, uh, David Hayward, who does a a cartoon strip called uh, Naked Pastor. There's no nudity, actually. But this one's called... Jesus eraser. (laughs) And in this cartoon, I love this because you see all these other people drawing lines, drawing little boxes, and Jesus loves to come by with a big eraser and erase those lines. I wanted to show you this little cartoon because this is kind of what we see going on in the passage today. The, the Nicodemus, the Pharisee, was very close to Jesus in terms of religion, in terms of culture, in ter- terms of gender. He was right next to Jesus. This Samaritan woman would have been as far away from Jesus in that culture as you could get. And yet, Jesus doesn't respect the barriers. He just comes up with his big eraser and erases every one of them, makes them all irrelevant. The first is the barrier of gender. What's this woman's first uh, uh, question when Jesus says, can you give me a drink? She says, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? This is scandalous. We don't really realize this, but Jesus was a, a rabbi. And rabbis didn't, you know, associate with the opposite sex. They didn't do that. Jesus breaks through the, ben, the, the barrier of gender. Next, he breaks through the barrier of ethnicity. You know, the Samaritans, they were probably the most hated group by the Jews in the first century, uh, even more than the Romans. They looked at the Samaritans. These, the Samaritans were kind of related to the Jews, but they were mixed race. They were looked at as, as 
uh, actually Jews would call them dogs. When I say dog, that's not a, like, you dog. What's up, dog? Um, If you go over to that part of the world today, you will not find too many people that keep dogs as pets. It's kind of like people who keep rats as pets over here. You don't see that often. I'm sure there's a handful of people. But dogs are considered basically the way we consider rats over here. They're pests. It's, it's a derogatory term. The Jews would com- It was commonplace to call Samaritans rats, or dogs, actually. And so Jesus breaks through that barrier, gender, ethnicity. And then there's religion. You know, the Samaritans, they were really hated by the Jews. And one of the reasons they hated them was they, they looked at their belief system as being heretical, uh, The Samaritans, they had a version of Judaism, but they had all kind of weird things that that Orthodox Jews did not believe. So she was a woman, wrong race, wrong religion. And then there is some evidence to suggest that, that she may have been living an immoral lifestyle as well. She's on her sixth guy, you know, and not her husband. Now, maybe that meant that that. Her husband had died, and then, you know, as the custom was, she'd just gone from one person to the next. But the fact is that she is out gathering water at a well that is outside of her village by about a mile in the middle of the day. And that's not when people went to gather water. The women would gather the water in in the morning or in the evening when it was cool, a, a reasonable time to gather water. She's getting water in the middle of the day. And this points to the fact that she probably was shunned by her community. There's something that she has done that has offended the community. So I want you to think right now, in your mind, what are the groups of people in the world today that you are prejudiced against. You might say, well, I don't have any prejudice. Well, prejudice just means to prejudge. So we all got some of that, okay, right? Okay, I do. Maybe you're prejudiced because of somebody else's politics. Maybe it's their, their status in the, in the social class. Maybe it's their race, maybe it's their religion, maybe it's their gender, maybe it's their lifestyle. We can pick anything. But Jesus here, he doesn't respect any of those boundaries at all. He, he says, well, you give me a drink. Jesus comes up with a big old eraser. And she says, well, I don't. Why do you want me to give you a drink? And Jesus said, if you knew the gift of God who was standing in front of you, you would ask me for a drink, and I would give you living water. Jesus says, this well, you drink of this well, I don't, I don't care how revered it is and how good the water is, you're going to get thirsty again at some point. Hour later. But the water that I have to give you will spring up to living water, eternal life. Jesus is saying to her right now, and this is something we all need to hear, and I think particularly in the season of Lent, when we're getting in touch with our own desires, our own appetites, you know, maybe denying some some things that we would normally partake in, we do these things to recognize that our real hunger isn't for food. It's for what Jesus can give to us. Jesus 
will satisfy something that, that doesn't, isn't temporary, but something at the core of our being. Now, this woman does what a lot of us often do when we feel uncomfortable. Jesus says, go get your husband. Oh, I'm, I don't have a husband. Yeah, that's right. You had five husbands, and the guy you're with right now isn't your husband. And she wants to talk theology all of a sudden. <laughs> I perceive you are a prophet. <laughs> well, tell me this. Our, our ancestors say that, that we're supposed to worship on this mountain. You Jews say in the temple, which one is it? What's the right answer? Good way to deflect. I find, you know, I, I can do this a lot when I get in an uncomfortable situation as well. Oh, let's talk Bible trivia. Uh, <laughs> and Jesus answers a question, though. Jesus says, there's, there's a day coming. And, and it's, you're in luck because it's, it's happening right now as I speak where the true worshipers are not going to worship in that temple or on this sacred mountain, but the true worshipers are going to worship in spirit and truth. Your Father in heaven is spirit, and that's the way you got to worship Him. But here's the good news. The Holy Spirit's breaking out. The dwelling of God is now with man. Human beings are going to be the actual temple of the Holy Spirit. This is the good news. And Jesus says, it doesn't matter where you worship as long as you're worshiping from the reserve of God's very spirit. And she says, okay, well, give me some of this water. This is the water that will ultimately quench thirst. Now, what I see with this woman when I contrast her with Nicodemus is Nicodemus was a guy who had all the right answers. He had a place in society based on his participation with religion. He had power. He had prominence. And yet, when the offer of the light of Jesus is given to him, he fades back into the darkness. This woman, on the other hand, who is, is as far away from Jesus as you can get, when she receives the, author, the, the offer of the light of Jesus, not only does she embrace it, but she runs into town. And what does she tell them? She says, come meet a man who told me everything I ever did. Now, what is unspoken here, but I believe it's, it's what she's thinking on the inside. Come meet a man who told me everything I ever did, and he still loves me. See, that's the difference between religion and Jesus. When you have an encounter with God and you realize that God sees everything you've done, even things that you've been unaware of. I, I tell you, there's sometimes I, I'm, I'm sitting with God, I'm talking to God, and God reveals something in my heart that I didn't realize was there. You ever have that happen to you? Where you think you're going along good, you think you've got everything together, and then all of a sudden God says, what about this little thing right there? But the wonderful thing about Jesus is when Jesus exposes something in his light, it doesn't bring condemnation, it doesn't bring guilt. Our reaction is like this woman. 
I like what Jesus says in Matthew 11, 28 through 30. He says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting upon you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. See, this is what we see going on with Jesus. He tells her everything she's ever done, but she still feels loved. And this this encounter with the light of Christ that brings all her stuff up, it doesn't push her away. That's what religion does, right? See, my experience with religion is when somebody finds out about one of your failings, your sin, your struggle, your secret addiction, your doubts, Somebody finds out about that, you get ostracized, you get shunned, you get shamed. And yet we don't see that with Jesus. When Jesus brings something to the light, there's healing, there's freedom. And this woman goes and tells the whole town, I've met someone who's the Messiah. He told me everything I've ever done. And the whole town comes out and says, Many of them. Believe in Jesus. Now, there's two questions that I have when I come to this passage. For one, when I put myself in the shoes of this Samaritan woman, I ask myself the question, I think we all need to ask this today, where am I looking to other things for life? Things is a pretty broad word. I try not to use it, but I'm. Where am I looking to material possessions for life? Where am I looking to another relationship with another human being to satisfy something that only God can satisfy? Where am I looking to the opinion of other people to satisfy the way I feel about myself? Where am I finding my identity outside of God? Where do I need to return to the waters of life today? And then the second question I have, and I think that this is a crucial question, when it comes to Jesus' interaction with this woman who would have been about as far away from Jesus as you could get in that part of the world, how can this inform us with the way that we deal with people who seem very far away from us or very far away from God? When it comes to somebody who's of a different race, different class, different religion, different lifestyle, different gender, different politics. How can we learn from the way that Jesus breaks through the walls with this woman? How can we let that inform the way we relate to other people? Because see, what we see with Jesus here, he's not intimidated by anywhere this lady is. He's sitting with her. He's listening to her, but he's listening to the Holy Spirit at the same time and speaking from that place. These are the two questions I feel like in the, in the coming week, in the coming weeks, to ask ourselves, God, where is my thirst not being satisfied by you? And Lord, how can I learn to be with others that are different than me in the same way you were with this woman who was different from you? Why don't you stand?
Lord Jesus, we thank you for this beautiful picture of your love breaking through the boundaries, Lord. God, I pray for every one of us in here, God, where there are maybe walls up in our heart where we could see you breaking through those walls. We could experience your presence, Lord. I pray where there are, are, are places in our life where we are thirsty and hungry and trying to get those needs met through material stuff or, or codependency on other people or, 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 or through our own reputations, Lord, that we could draw again from the water of life. Lord, we could be filled again with your Holy Spirit. And Lord, when it comes to dealing with people that are different from us, that are outside of our group or outside of what we think is, is the right way to go, God, Lord, help us. Give us the grace to be like you, like you with the Samaritan woman, to be open to your spirit and obedient. We ask this in your name. Amen.